Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, wait a minute. This is your grandfather's store? Yeah. Come on. Well, go ahead, mister. Look around. See if there's something you like. What is it? Mogwai. Let me introduce myself. Peltzer's the name, Rand Peltzer. And I have a story to tell. Tra la 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 la. Thanks, Dad. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. We'll wait for Christmas. <laughs> You know, there's some things I forgot to tell you guys, and they're really important. Number one, he hates bright light. But you gotta keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two, keep him away from water. Who's in that jar? Nothing, just water. All that from water? They got wet? And probably the most important thing. Come on out, take a bite, let me see you. Mom, what's going on here? Don't ever feed him after midnight. In a matter of hours, this town is going to be turned into a major disaster area. Now you have got to warn people. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Syndicate. My name is Armand and I'll be your host. Today on Syndicate, we'll be celebrating the Christmas season with a hidden gem all the way back from 1984, Gremlin. But before we get into the holiday cheer, I am joined by two returning guests. The first is a creative designer, a streamer of video games, conjurer of magic, and lover of cinematic experiences. Please welcome Ali. Hi, Armand. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you back. And my next guest is an audiophile, a builder of impressive computational machinery, wages war among the stars. And as a damn good podcaster, please welcome to the roundtable, Aaron. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back, Armand. Thanks for having me. Good to have you back again. So before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation with Gremlins, I wanted to start it off with some holiday cheer. So what were your favorite things about the holiday season? Like, what do you have to look forward to every year when it comes time to the holidays? For me, it's certainly the aesthetic of it. It's the uh, all the decorations that go up, uh, the kind of ritual of decorating your your house, your home, with 
different Christmas decorations, the the new uh, treats and foods that you have, the the music that plays. This this is the first time I'm like celebrating Christmas pretty ex- exclusively away from home, mm. and my roommate, as I came to learn, is even more excited about Christmas than I am. And really? so for him, yeah, for him, like you start celebrating Christmas in November. Oh like, this is a this is a holiday that needs some preparation. <laughs> oh, he's so, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we we didn't go full bore into it, but you know, we uh, put up some light decorations early November, and he started making a list of uh, Christmas adjacent movies. Is the way he puts it, where it's not like a film about Christmas, but Christmas is in it. Mm-hmm. Kind of on point for today's topic. Oh yeah. So we started like watching those regularly with some friends and our downstairs neighbors. It's this whole period of preparation, which I I really do appreciate. It's nice to be able to kind of mindfully engage with a holiday like this and not just, Mm. it's not like Valentine's Day or whatever, where you just kind of blow past it, drawing you into this ritual to help you get your mindset into a different place. And I think that's appropriate for this time of year to, instead of go from your day in day out productivity to thinking, okay, what's really important? Who are the people that I really care about? And uh, how can I practice the spirit of generosity with all of my day in and day out interactions? Mm -hmm. Uh, Not just when it's convenient to me. That's what I love about Christmas. Yeah, that's such a magical way to think of it. Because I'm definitely more like a Kate in this movie where I am kind of a curmudgeon when it comes to the holidays Mm, so it's very very nice to hear a different perspective about the holidays i definitely think it's very capitalistic and very like i have to prove like i my love language is kind of gifts but it's like i have to Mm -hmm. prove to everyone and find something for them get them gifts when i'm someone who wants to give gifts year-round to show i appreciate people my favorite part of the holidays um just to kind of jump in just the inner core of my family hanging out. We would spend Christmas. My grandma, she loves giving gifts to Santa. And she's a, um, I'm her only grandchild. So she would come and we'd have a sleepover. And on Christmas Eve, she would give me a gift early and it would be like a Christmas set of PJs. And so like we would (laughs) hang out and, and watch movies until we couldn't like stay up anymore. And then we'd wake up early, have breakfast and, open our gifts. And that was the magic of Christmas to me being with my small immediate family. And then I'd have to go Mm. see my rest of my family and it felt kind of fake and whatever, but like (laughs) that little part, that was Christmas to me. Just that little magic. I like that. That's great. Piggybacking off of your two wonderful answers (laughs) for me, like the things I love about the holiday season is not only the aesthetic, because even though it's you know, here in Chicago, you know, it's so dreary and cold and snowy, but like having the nice, beautiful decorations on the houses and feels more warm around the winter time, even though it's, you know, like sub zero degrees. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's quite a magical time, like where people come together. So, cause like Aaron, you're talking about how this year in particular, you made it uh, a conscious effort, you and your roommates to be like, okay, we're going to prepare for Christmas. We're going to prepare for this holiday season by watching these movies. So what would you say, both of you, like what makes a holiday movie different than a normal movie? And also what are your favorite holiday movies in general? I think what makes a holiday movie a holiday movie is that it elevates your expectations of how people are supposed to behave, where there's almost this kind of shared unspoken expectation that hey it's christmas you're supposed to be kind to each other and generous and things like that and almost shows like both the best and worst aspects of humanity in a lot of holiday movies you see pretty touching uh, examples of generosity on full display but you also see the Grinches, the Scrooges, the curmudgeons <laughs> who just hate Christmas and everything it stands for. And they're typically over the top mm-hmm. in their depictions, but it could just be as natural as this grumpy person who just can't find anything to be happy about during during the holidays. And, you know, they have their reasons, but it's that bringing up both the best and worst in humanity mm-hmm. during the holiday season that I find in Christmas movies. 
some of it's pretty schmaltzy. Oh, yeah. One of our movies that we watched was a, we played Hallmark Christmas movie bingo <laughs> with a particular film called Christmas Pageant. And I'm glad we had a game to play during it because it was the most awful, dull, <laughs> <laughs> schmaltzy movie viewing experience I've had in quite some time. Which included like a fake cancer scare to bring two characters together, and oh my gosh, it, it was very, very strange, very odd. Wow. <laughs> so you kind of have like the worst of it on there, and then better examples, I would, I would say, of different holiday movies is particularly ones that kind of like play with that concept, turn it on its head. Things like Jingle All the Way, oh yeah, where it's a satire of that kind of hyper consumerism around Christmas. But you also have movies where it's kind of like the backdrop. They're playing with contrasts here. So one of the movies we watched was L.A. Confidential, oh. where it's a Hollywood noir detective movie, essentially. But one of the inciting incidents is uh, after a Christmas party with a bit too much eggnog, the corrupt police department ends up beating a bunch of minorities in, in prison. Oh my God. That's not fun. But it's like the small crack that splinters out and exposes this entire whole corrupt establishment. Mm-hmm. So it's that contrast between what people are supposed to be doing on Christmas and what horrifically happens that sets off this whole story. Similar thing in Edward Scissorhands where this kind of emo freak outsider being welcomed in by all these Avon moms (laughs) through a series of, you know, people being bullies and misunderstandings and miscommunication and things like that. He ends up on the run as this villain during Christmas when, you know, nobody's supposed to be, by themselves on Christmas. Nobody's supposed to be alone. You're supposed to be with family. Mm -hmm. And here's this guy who's being chased out of the village just for being different. Mm -hmm. All that to say, because of this imported culture, we expect the best out of people. And we're also surprised to see the worst out of people during this time. And it's on full display in these movies. Yeah, a lot of holiday movies, it definitely seems like a lot that I've seen. It's if it a good majority of it takes place around Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. It just kind of falls into that, like the backdrop you were saying. Um, The last movie I watched that I would consider around a Christmas movie would be Holiday. And I think there's a lot of movies that center on, you want that hope and that settling down and finding someone. Like, oddly enough, maybe more Christmas movies than Valentine's movies are more about finding a significant other, you know? Yeah. So like, Holiday was... um, Oh, I forgot the the girl's name. She's pretty big. She's in uh, American Horror Story. But she doesn't have a date for Christmas. And her parents are pressuring her, her. Her mom's pressuring her to settle down. And so she and this other dude decide to fake date for holidays. Just be each other's dates for any holiday <laughs> and do stuff. And of course, eventually, like, Smart. they're like, do we have feelings? No, we don't. Blah, blah, blah. Cat and mouse. It, it was an interesting film. It was mm-hmm. definitely one to have on the background while you're doing stuff. It was fun. My favorite is also a Christmas adjacent. I just love watching Just Friends. I think it's hysterical. It has Ryan Reynolds. He was a fat guy in high school and he had his crush on his best friend. And then at a party, he admits he likes her. And she was like, oh, I just like you as a friend. So he he leaves and gets all big in Hollywood. And then eventually, like, he has to bring Anna Faris's character somewhere because she's a big pop idol. And she, like sets the plane on fire and so they end up landing in his hometown and it's Christmas and now he's back there and he meets his old best friend that he's in love with and it's like oh well they rekindle that and it's set around the holidays and then it's him with his family that's kind of awkward and stuff and his mom just like loves holidays and so she's all sweet and it's it's funny like I when stuff can like show how weird family is and stuff like that that's that's the stuff I like Mm. the holidays the the, like the little sparkle of of that yeah that is an interesting angle it's like you've got both family and strangely like romance yeah (laughs) yeah i've noticed that trend too i I don't know if i know exactly why both of those are in there but it's it'd be interesting to explore that further yeah it seems to be like a common trope because like say like you boot up netflix and you type in like holiday movie or christmas movie you'll see a huge page of like all the same uh, plots. Like you got like the holiday prince, you got the the holidays and then just friends, uh, <laughs> Ellie that you just mentioned, like it's all the same plot where like you have like this uh, young lady 
where she's like, oh, I've been working so hard in the city. Let me go back to my hometown. <laughs> oh, hey, childhood friend. Wow, you look really good today. And wow, you, you sure did grow up, Freudian slip here and there. And it's like, my goodness, Annie, you've grown. <laughs> exactly. Where it's like, I don't know what they're tapping into, but it seems like they are they found a formula and it works. Yeah. Can I share some of these bingo Definitely. squares that I had on my card? <laughs> Coffee shop scene. Wears fancy dress. <laughs> declaration of love. Up for a promotion. Cute small town. Meddling friend slash relative. Unlikely career. This card earned me six bingos from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's so many cliches, but you're right that that shows up so often for whatever reason. Yeah, and you can just tell it just by like the title of the movie, where it's like, oh, I know exactly what this movie's gonna be. Yeah, <laughs> like low stakes. Yeah, it's kind of like the equivalent of watching HD TV. It just feels nice. You know, it's a nice safe mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it's a warm fuzzy mm-hmm. blanket to cuddle up with. Yeah, uh, moving from there. So how does gremlins fit into like this christmas movie list like we talked at length about the tropes that are common now in like these christmas movies so dialing the clock back to 1984 how does gremlins fit in this because like it is christmas adjacent and it is set during christmas but would you consider it a christmas movie i would kind of like consider it maybe a classic in the sense of it kind of has a moral which a lot of the classic films did like was that one you're gonna shoot your eye out christmas story stuff like that like to me the moral of the story is don't get your kids pets for christmas like this is for (laughs) adults to learn like don't do it so this is like a classic parable like Mm -hmm. for scrooge like don't hog all your money share your wealth it's one of those a stepping stone for all these silly films that came forward (laughs) Yeah, I would say that this movie is set against the backdrop of Christmas. It is not necessarily a Christmas film. Gremlins is interesting. It's this weird mix of like comedy and horror and using Christmas almost like a storytelling device rather than anything else, because you have the Mogwai, you have the contrast between this like fantastical world of Chinatown and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> suburban American life. It's like this injection of fantasy into the everyday, which in a broad sense is also similar to the way we experience Christmas, but it comes with it, these rules and also this like harsh set of punishments. If you fail to uphold those rules, which is kind of closer to traditional fairy tales and storytelling and things like that, especially aimed towards children where It's not just about priming these kids' imagination, but also as a kind of moral imperative to try to instill some good behavior into that. You Mm -hmm. have some of that in Christmas, too. You have, you got to be on Santa's nice list to get gifts. And if you're not, you're going to get some coal. Or get eaten by Krampus. So they're... they're... Yeah, get eaten by Krampus if you're hardcore enough. <laughs> so we, we have some of those elements in like our modern Christmas mythos, but a lot of that is just kind of eh, whatever. So it, it's it's kind of refreshing to go back to something, you know, that two-fisted in Gremlins. But at the same time, it's a movie that embodies those characteristics, but it's not classically a Christmas movie because there's not an emphasis on like, the importance of family or these kind of like small, close social connections mm. that a lot of Christmas movies have. There's elements of this where you have the the crazy realtor lady yes. who's like threatening to foreclose on people mm-hmm. and like shut down the bank and everything. And it's an historical site and she's <laughs> just going to you know tear it down or whatever. Yeah. We just played up for laughs. But uh, there, there, there's too many like, elements of horror and comedy and there's other things that that movie's doing rather than trying to be a christmas film does that make sense yeah it does it's set during the holiday of you know christmas and it has all the christmas aesthetics with like the snowmen uh you know the christmas trees the lights but i do agree with you like thematically it's close but it's not exactly hitting the hallmarks that you would expect from a christmas film it's a little bit different Mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't hit like those themes of like being close to your family. It does hit on the themes of like responsibility, 
like you were saying, Ali, like don't get pets as gifts to your children because <laughs> obviously things will go go wrong with that. But like at the core of it, there is a, which we'll get into in a little bit, like personal responsibility with the main characters. So before we go even more further into Gremlins, you know what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches. Mm. Here on Syndicate, for those that don't know, when you're selling a movie to a friend, you really have 60 seconds to sell them on the whole idea of the movie that they're about to watch. So here on Syndicate today, um, we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to do the elevator pitch, but split between two people. So you both have collectively 60 seconds to pitch me the plot of Gremlins. So, Ellie, you're going to go first. Ladies first. All right. Um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Got a timer right here. And then after 30 seconds, Aaron, you're going to finish her statement. Ooh. Are you two ready? No pressure. No pressure at all. Um, no, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to start in three, two, one, go. Okay, people should watch Gremlins because this movie traumatized me as a child. My mom showed me it for my birthday at a sleepover and we got in trouble because this is one of the movies that actually started to bring about uh, the dawn of PG-13 films, this and Indiana Jones. So, so it's a horror film that truly started to usher in a, a new era for movies. And you've got a cute little guy like Gizmo to follow his story and um, what Gremlins actually are or... Yeah, that's mine. Aaron, go. Okay, so do you like the Goonies? Do you like some uh, Spielbergian schmaltz? <laughs> do you like some horror and some gore? Have I got the movie for you? It's the it's it's Gremlins. So uh, you, 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 everything starts off fine. It's Christmas morning. You get an unexpected gift. <gasps> it's a it's not a dog. It's a weird animal thing. But oh my god, you broke the rules, and now it's multiplying everywhere, and they're evil, and they start causing all sorts of havoc. How is he going to save the day? Well, you're just going to have to <laughs> watch the movie and find out. There we go. And time. <laughs> it won't traumatize you now as an adult. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you Yeah, you pretty much uh you two summed up the plot of Gremlins. Yeah. So, hopefully hopefully that makes sense for the listeners. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. So let's get into first impressions. How did you, one, how did you first hear about the movie Gremlins? And what were your first impressions of the film? So yeah, my mom, I think we wanted to watch it at a sleepover for my birthday as a kid. And we put it on and I think that was the height of Furby. So we're like, oh, mm. it looks like a Furby. Can we watch it? <laughs> and my mom's like, sure. And then she got a lot of angry calls from, you know, kids' <laughs> parents. Like, why would you do this? And there were like just distinct scenes while rewatching that like I had that like that weird feeling come over me like this this hurt my my baby brain like the whole <laughs> the scene with the mom um like encountering all the gremlins mm -hmm. and like the microwave scene oh, yeah. like that just I went and <laughs> I remember crying at this and I and when she goes upstairs to his room and pulls or like and walks up those stairs to the attic I'm pretty sure I've had nightmares about those stairs to the attic. Like, wow. that's what I remembered. I was like, oh, God, this movie really did a number on me. <laughs> and then, like, when Kate talks about the tragedy with her dad, mm -hmm. I was like, this is probably, like, I think about that every Christmas. And, like, I, I guess I subconsciously remembered that as a child from this movie. That's amazing. <laughs> so I was like, wow, this actually was really formative to me <laughs> by you. Wow. You didn't remember but your brain remembered. Yep. <laughs> it did. <laughs> well, yesterday was my first time watching this film. Congrats. Yeah, I made it this far without watching it somehow. Kind of gathered bits and pieces of it just from our mm -hmm. cultural osmosis. Mm -hmm. Like I knew the three rules, having never watched the movie. But yeah, it felt like peak 80s cinema. You have these fantastic creature effects. You have this kind of you know small town America as your setting. You have these kind of like caricatures of human beings that are just kind of telling this fantastical story. And I, I don't know if you could come up with a movie concept like this in our present day and actually expect it to go anywhere. But right. it was the eighties and they're like a bunch of furry creatures multiplying at night and, you know, <laughs> trying to take over the town. Sure. Why not? It's like Norman Rockwell meets 
like the thing light. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it, and I didn't know if I would, but I'm really glad I watched this. That's great to hear. Like my experience with Gremlins is kind of like a combination of both of you. So I wish, I wish I saw Gremlins when I was a kid and to be traumatized like that. <laughs> like I genuinely yeah. wish, I don't know how it flew under my radar, but like same thing with, uh, and we talked about this during Fright Night, Aaron. Like, I don't know how it mm-hmm. like flew under my radar because growing up, my friends and I watched so many horror movies. So I don't know how we didn't see Gremlins. So yeah, I, I, I wish I saw this when I was a kid. Cause like that was my first thought when I was watching Gremlins is like, I should have seen this sooner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, believe it or not, I watched this last year for the first time. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. Awesome. That's a lot of movies. Yeah, there's so many of them. I always heard about it, you know, through pop culture. You know, I know what the Gremlins or the Mogwai looks like. My aunt, she had a cat and she named her cat Gizmo. Oh. Mm. That's how I knew about it. It's a fantastic movie. And let's get into it now. I know we were beating around the bush the whole time. Yes. We got to set the stage. <laughs> set the stage. So the movie opens up with a narrator, Randall Peltzer, or Rand Peltzer. And he's looking for a Christmas present for his son, Billy. So he goes to Chinatown and he's trying to find something crazy. And then he ends up uh, going into like an antique shop. And then what does he find there? He finds a mogwai. He's so fascinated by it because he is an inventor himself. And I think seeing something he's never seen before really gets, you know, the ball rolling and the curiosity gets the better of him. And so he tries to pay for it, but the man won't let him take it. And the kid that led him to the shop he realizes family needs the money and he kind of brings the Mogwai back out and is like, I'll sell it to you. Kind of getting <laughs> everything started. <laughs> right. So yeah, so we're not starting on the, the best foot, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like wasn't the best intentions, but you know, that kind of like sets up the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Peltzer buys the Mogwai and a little side note on the Mogwai. Like you said earlier, Ellie, it's like a Furby, mm-hmm. but like with bigger ears bigger eyes or maybe same eyes no beak yeah so i would say for our 2020 audience gizmo is kind of like a furry version of baby yoda okay i'm glad i'm not the only one that thought of this i'm gonna say it right now (laughs) gizmo walked so then baby yoda could run (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 that's not far off or hover (laughs) so yeah like before before grogu we had gizmo I'm not calling him Grogu. He's Baby Yoda in yeah. my eyes. Are you calling him Grogu, Aaron? Honestly, like, whatever his name would end up being, like, it's not going to make anybody happy. Or <laughs> rather, it's not going to make everybody happy. I'm sure it makes Dave Filoni and John Favreau happy. I'm still a fan of the child. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, Grogu's as fine a Star Wars name as any. It sounds a little too similar to Goku. Goku. We found his yeah. brother, uh, uh, Vegeta, or they'll call him like <laughs> Gragita. Or... Kakarot. Or no, he's Kakarot. What's, what's his oh, name? Shit. What's his brother's name? Raditz. Raditz oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Broly comes in. Yes. Anyways, mm-hmm. at the anime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so moving then, that was like the prologue of the entire movie. I like a line that he says at this time where he's introducing himself as an inventor and he's like um rand peltzer fantastic ideas for a fantastic world i make the illogical logical and it, it really does a great job of just setting the stage for what's about to happen and it makes me think that they this opening scene was like a reshoot just because the the whole style is different like when he's walking out into chinatown it's all slow-mo and it's like high contrast neon lights i'm like is this blade runner <laughs> right it's very blade runner yeah and then like it goes back into like suburban american it's like an entirely different film so i wonder if they like <laughs> planted that early in to be like okay some weird stuff's gonna happen but just go with it right so yeah going off of the tone it's kind of like mysterious and like strange world with like chinatown and then it transitions to the title sequence which is super christmasy yeah like super duper commercialized like the song is like a classic christmas song it's super upbeat and i also think putting 
that as a title sequence, it sets up one that it's set during Christmas, and then two gives the audience a false sense of security because, like, ultimately, this is a horror film. It's like a creature horror film, mm-hmm. and every time I watch that title sequence, I like forget. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's a it's a nice Christmas movie, <laughs> and then the horrors begin in this small town. Mm-hmm. I would like to kind of backpedal a second he buys the mogwai and that's where we set up the rules for it as well that's when the kid tells him no sunlight don't get them wet and never feed after midnight and then we go into that yeah let's get into those those rules so going back to what i alluded to earlier with like the overall theme of the movie the way i see it at least this sense of personal responsibility because like that can easily be translated to like a bringing for like children. I don't know about the sunlight one, but like don't feed them after midnight, you know, like <laughs> just like be responsible for what you have to take care of. And that could be applied to also like having a pet. Like you need to take care of your pets. Like it's not like a toy. It's mm-hmm. like you have to take care of these things. And there's certain things that you can do, certain things that you can't do. It's also really nice because these roles also really set up the theme of using the rule of three during this whole film. And I Mm -hmm. think it's really well executed with a lot of the characters and even just, you know, the rules and then the subsequent breaking or keeping them. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Would you like to expand on that? Yeah, the rule of three is like a writing device where things will be introduced like three times and kind of expanded on. And as we go through the film, like, so they set up these these rules of threes and then they'll be broken. You s- and then also with the characters, with like the evil rich lady, we see her three times. And on the third time, mm. she meets on her, her untimely fate. We also see the drunk soldier who came back. We see him three times. We see him right here at the opening scene asking Billy about his car and about drawing. And he brings up the idea of gremlins. And the next time we see him, he's at the bar harassing Kate and he brings up gremlins again. The third time we see him, he actually gets to see the gremlins. This rule of three is just woven throughout the narrative and it's a testament to the writing. It's done Mm -hmm. very well. And I think it compels people to keep, you know, staying on the plot and seeing how well it's balanced. It's a comfy rule and it, it makes for like a fun pattern to realize. Right. Like the writing of this film is like so well done. And I think it is a testament to a screenwriter. Uh, Gremlins was written by Chris Columbus and Chris Columbus is responsible for such hits as Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire, Harry Potter. So like, yeah, he knows how to write a good film. And this catapulted his career then because he was just writing this not for a script, but just because he wanted to show a company he could write. Hot out of the gate, making a good film. Moving from there, we're introduced to uh, our main character, Billy Peltzer, the lovable schmuck. (laughs) So I, I, I would say you don't get these types of characters much anymore in films. No, you don't. Everybody's got to be a badass. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah right like the superman but instead of the superman we're introduced to an everyday characters everyday teenager he's kind of like down on his luck he doesn't you know everything's going wrong like he's getting in trouble uh, where he works his car doesn't start in the intro scene like everything that could go wrong is going wrong kind of like marty mcfly exactly 
I love the dynamic between Billy Peltzer and his girlfriend, Kate Beringer. What did you guys think about character dynamics between uh, Billy and Kate? I expected, given the setup, that he's just kind of a klutz in the beginning. You know, boy meets girl, girl ends up in trouble, boy needs to save the world to, to get girl. It's not exactly that. They're both just kind of doing their own thing, but they're, you know, good friends and able to support each other along the way. So it's like, I think the story would have been cluttered otherwise, because they they have a lot to throw at us with the with the gremlins and their whole deal. So it was a nice change of pace, I think, to not have it be crowded by a love story, too, or God forbid, a love triangle. No, yeah, I completely agree. I, there wasn't like the characters were fun to see them interact and grow, but they're at the end of the day, there's not a lot of substance to them. Like this is really not their story. It's kind of gizmos going off of that. Like Joe Dante only wanted gizmo in the first 30 minutes of the film. Like he was just going to be like the intro. And then the rest of the film was going to be the gremlins. So but Steven Spielberg loved Gizmo so much, like the character model for Gizmo. He was like, well, he's going to be in the whole movie, right? <laughs> and Joe Dante was like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, of course, sir. <laughs> so he had to like scramble to have the puppet be usable for an entire feature length film. Because <laughs> I think he was originally just like a hand puppet or something in like the box that he came oh, in. So they had to turn him into like, like a baby Yoda, essentially. <laughs> Walking around. So... <laughs> So we're introduced to Billy in Act 1. So Billy gets home after having a pretty crappy day. And his father has a gift for him. And the gift, of course, is a Mogwai. You know, he's introduced to Gizmo as he... Actually, no. Billy's dad calls him Gizmo. I feel like it's kind of a nod to him being an inventor. Like Gizmos and Gadgets and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a pretty clever character setup in this scene where Billy arrives home and uh, they have like these antique swords on the wall that keep falling down. And he has to put back up and he's trying to help his mom prepare dinner. And there's all these inventions of his father's that almost work, but don't. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but the mom in this scene, she if there's like a leaderboard of 80s moms, She's got to be like high on that list because she's not like resentful of her husband's invention. She's like tries to use them well. Mm -hmm. And when they don't work, she, you know, keeps a good attitude about it, keeps encouraging him. And later in the movie, we'll see she's quite resourceful on her in her own right as well. So Mm -hmm. she's she's no pushover. They have the dynamic with I don't think it's his younger brother. It's just like a neighborhood kid. uh, Yeah. Feldman. Yeah. It's his friend. Yeah. He's he's part of this as well. But yeah, they get all these like different character dynamics set up pretty early, just in small ways, but then the ways that pay off later in the movie, which we'll get to. But clever bit of filmmaking right there. Yeah. So Billy is introduced to Gizmo, and he's also introduced to the rules of uh, the Mogwai, which is don't put them in sunlight, that'll kill them, don't get them wet, and don't feed them past midnight. As the movie progresses... The rules get broken, and the first rule is broken rather quickly. So, Allie, what happened? Oh, well, the the first rule is out of sunlight, technically, so, like, we've seen light hit him, whatever, but the first big thing that breaks it is the don't get wet when the friend knocks over the water, and all all these little, like, clumps of fur kind of just start sprouting off of him and like pop out like popcorn and then they just start kind of morphing into little kind of gizmos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and then the thing with uh, the duplicates that came out of uh, gizmo is they are not well behaved. No. Mm-mm. No. They are not like gizmo at all. They're they're quite rambunctious, very energetic. They're they're crazy, I would say. <laughs> So, yeah, they're not well-behaved at all. I really like how they kind of start showing you how sentient and smart these creatures are, too. You see the scene of Gizmo, like, pretending to drive the car, watching TV, and they'll kind of parrot words back that they hear Billy say and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of fun 
to pick up on. They're not stupid creatures. They're they're very smart. But going from there, Billy Peltzer was like, you know what? This is incredible. Like, what other creature multiplies when they get wet? So he decides to take the the copies of Gizmo to his scientific authority in town, and that is the science teacher in his high school. <laughs> Mr. Hansen, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he was like, oh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's kind of like kid logic where it's like, like, oh, I need to take Gizmo somewhere. Someone that will appreciate this. My science teacher. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's kind of like the Stranger Things moment. Yeah. My roommate and I joke that this is just, you know, this is just black science man. <laughs> I need to bring him to the black science man. He'll know what to do. Right. I did enjoy uh, this scene, though, a bit because I definitely think it shows how well, people can still show and not tell, like, because they they give the water and just through sound and acting, we get to see, like, what we saw earlier. They didn't have to re-show it again. And I feel like in a movie nowadays, they would just CGI it and we oh, see yeah. it growing again. And I just I just really love that old school feel of practical effects. It's, it's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. We'll get to my favorite effect later, but I do want to, you know, highlight that as something praiseworthy of this movie because yeah the puff balls that come out of the out of his back mm-hmm. that form into the new magwai i don't want to get too into it but they there's a lot of little tricks that they use where it just feels like a real thing you're not like oh that's that's hokey and fake there's maybe like one or two shots where that i saw where i was like oh that's hokey and fake but the majority of the movie like the effects still hold up they're quite good my roommate and i were talking about it and i'm like was this like Jim Henson or Stan Winston or whatever. It's like, nope, it was somebody else. And I'm like, oh, that's that's incredible. I'm I'm impressed. Impressive. Most impressive. <laughs> yes. So you took the Mogwai to the science teacher to just kind of like get answers, like, okay, like what are these things? And he was like, no problem. I'll investigate for you. After that, Billy and Kate are kind of walking through town and side note about the town. I don't know if it's an actual town or a movie set in Hollywood. It is the same exact set for Back to the Future. They are in Hill Valley. I I stood up. I pointed at the screen during the opening credits. I'm like, that's Hill Valley. I know what that is. <laughs> that's a universal backlot that they reused for this film. Did you clap? I, I clapped. <laughs> I recognized it on the screen. I was like, oh, because like I, I recognize the movie theater, which is you know where the DeLorean took off to go forwards and backwards in time. I don't know if it's ever said in the film of Gremlins what town they're in, but in all intents and purposes, they are in Hill Valley. So Back to the Future and Gremlins inhabit the same universe. I believe it. <laughs> Moving from there, so as they're walking around town, uh, Kate's opens up to Billy. So Billy was like, oh, you know, Oh, he doesn't talk like that. So he was like, oh, you know, it's Christmas time. Isn't it great? And she said she's not a fan of Christmas. People are opening up presents, but some people are opening up their wrists. <clears throat> you know, it's it's not a happy time for, for everybody. I'm like, damn, for a kid's movie, this is pretty dark. Yeah, they, they hit hard. Yeah. I love that it, like, brings up, like, hey, there is seasonal depression, and depression is not a joke. And then he's like, I'm depressed thinking about it. It's like. Stop. <laughs> hey, stop. Get some help. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we find out later that um, the reason why Kate doesn't like Christmas is because her father had a little bit of a tragic accident. Who wants to get into that? Yeah, so Phoebe Cates and her mom, it's Christmas Eve. Their dad says he's going to go out and get something for Christmas. He'll be right back. And he goes missing. Christmas Day comes and goes. He doesn't show up. The police can't find him anywhere. Soon enough, they discover that he, in a tragic turn of events, dressed up as Santa and lodged himself in their chimney where he got stuck and suffocated and died. Clutching gifts to give them on the night of Christmas Eve, he was going to surprise them, which is kind of hilarious and awful at the same time yeah (laughs) yeah i didn't know whether to laugh or like be horrified during that but they play it so straight it's like 
you don't know what to do with that. And this is this is the reason why she hates Christmas. And you know what? I I understand. So yeah, they had to like take apart the chimney to like get the body out and yeah. <laughs> so it is a horror comedy, so it's a little bit of both. They wanted to take that scene out because of the conflicting emotions right. or like what would the audience want to think? But I think was it the director who pushed to keep it? He's like, nah, it's perfect. I think it was Steven Spielberg specifically said, because Warner Brothers, I think, wanted to take that out. And Steven Spielberg specifically said, no, that's staying. <laughs> so he superseded both Joe Dante and Chris Columbus. <laughs> wow. That story is definitely the, the Christmas version of the razor blades and your candy at Halloween. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> moving from there, we have in the second act, the descent. The mood turns from this lighthearted kind of dark comedy to a horror film when the science teacher accidentally leaves food out. And then what happens? A metamorphosis. They go into the pupil stage. Yes. So these cute furry creatures begin the transformation, the metamorphosis. And from there, they turn into gremlins, mm. which are these slimy reptilian creatures with like claws and so bad attitudes. Bad attitude. And they are not nice. All the goo reminds me of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. It just makes me sick. Yes. The dip. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great special effects. Like that's why I love eighties movies so much is because like it was right before like CGI got super big and like computers got good enough to actually have CGI be so prevalent. But like the practical effects and like it just feels real. Like like it's like this like oh like I I could feel the slime on my skin and such a great movie. So from there the gremlins start taking control of the town. They multiply. They're running amok on Hill Valley. So let's get into Mrs. Peltzer. So Aaron, you referenced it earlier about uh, Mrs. Peltzer having to deal with the gremlins. So what exactly happened during that time? Yeah, so Billy leaves home. He's going to find Black Science Man and figure out what's going on with the Mogwai, why they're metamorphosizing the way that they are. Meanwhile, Mama Peltzer is back home, and some of the Mogwai that have been multiplied from Gizmo have started changing because Billy, he was going to feed him, and he checked the clock, and it was before midnight. So he's like, okay, cool, that's fine. But then he makes a shocking discovery the following morning. He finds them all in like egg sacks where they're changing, and he checks the clock and oops, someone shoot through the power cable. So it's stuck oh, at a time before 12. <laughs> and so he accidentally fed them past midnight. And so these transformed gremlins mm -hmm. eventually make their way throughout the house. And Mama Peltzer has to fend herself. And this is where it's most explicitly like a horror movie yeah. where she's alone in the house. She's vulnerable. There's these monsters coming after her. So, one of them, she sticks basically into like a blender, like a food processor, and yeah. like just hits the go button and he gets splattered all over the place. Horrifying. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. Another one, uh, she stabs with a kitchen knife. Another one, she shoves into a microwave and turns it on full blast and he goes pop. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite the splatter fest, but it's all green blood, so it's okay for the kids. <laughs> But uh, yeah, she really she really holds her own. She like goes and investigates upstairs. She finds like the egg sacs where you know they had, they had transformed. She you know holds her own, and uh, I believe she gets like tackled by one who's hiding in the Christmas tree. So there again, we have like the symbols of Christmas being turned on their heads, yeah. and now it's become this horrifying thing. And then Billy eventually makes it back home where he's able to save his mom. But yeah, she is she is no lightweight in this movie. I really like here it kind of brings back a rule of three because so when we first meet Billy to talk to her mom, the sword, you mentioned the swords on the wall, it falls. The second time mm -hmm. when the dad comes home, the sword falls. This third time, Billy takes the sword off of it, the wall and uses it to defend his mom. And I was like, ooh, yes. three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And part of this too is she's like using her husband's like kind of failed inventions to help fight against these gremlins and it actually like works out. So mm-hmm. um it, it was a nice little nice little flip there. Yeah, they don't work uh the way he intended, but they did work to uh kill off some some gremlins. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so at this point, you know, Billy saves his mom. And the entire town is being infested by these gremlins. They're changing streetlights where cars are crashing into each other. They're eating people. And my favorite scene during this. So we flash back to that army vet guy, the drunk guy, who's played by Dick Miller, who's a famous B-movie actor. Throughout the entire movie, it was like, oh, these there's these things called gremlins. They, they're, they're in the... The planes, that's when something goes wrong. You can blame it on the gremlin. So then he finally sees a gremlin. What happens to poor old Dick Miller? Him and his wife get run over by a tractor. Those gremlins are driving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, damn. This is the part of the movie where I wasn't sure what I was seeing was real anymore. (laughs) Like, is this actually happening? Yeah, and the gremlins are laughing. The gremlin theme music is blaring. <laughs> yeah. If this movie was made today, I would say it's straddling the the R rating. Yeah. Like, definitely PG-13, but like, I was like, damn, they, they just died. <laughs> they are dead. <laughs> I was like, those people are straight up dead. Yeah, so it's all up to our heroes, uh, Billy and Kate, to save their town. Uh, near the end of the movie, we find out there's a ringleader to these gremlins uh, called Stripe. So he's a gremlin with a stripe on him. Can I back yeah. us up one scene? So, yeah. cause we're missing the, the scene with where he right. jumps into the water. Yeah. So the original gremlin goes into the YMCA and then multiplies. Yeah. So they kill all those ones in the house. And so they have to get Stripe and that's when he jumps in the pool and they multiply. So after that, that's when they're running amok. So then one of my favorite scenes, it's just so goofy. And it just, it definitely is the comedy part. It's just them in the bar where they're like forcing Kate to work for them to pour the drinks. They've got guns. They're playing poker. <laughs> they're just, it's just, it's they're just dancing. Like, yeah. It's, Cross-dressing. It's, it's like the cartoon, <laughs> I don't know, that CD cartoony kind of feeling of yeah. it. Uh, it was just, it was, a, I was like, I don't know what I'm watching, but I like it. But I'm watching. It's cute. Yeah, Chris Columbus kind of adapted this whole idea from a, a Chuck Avery cartoon. And Chuck Avery, you know, mm. Looney Tunes, you know, Bugs yeah. Bunny. So it definitely felt like a live action version of like one of those cartoons. And then there's the one gremlin which just like flashes Kate with his little trench coat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, hello. That's <laughs> <was> so weird. <laughs> And then she uh, she was trying to light the cigarette and she's like, oh, light. And so she uses the camera to get out. But that one was just near and dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. Yeah, it's a great scene. <laughs> really is. So from there we get to, they get to the movie theater and they're all kind of in there, like still being crazy, like in the bar. And they're all watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And they start singing along. Hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off work week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just love that uh, juxtaposition between like these like horrific creatures singing a song from, you know, like a classic Disney cartoon. I really like, so right before the scene where the teacher passes away, they overlay while the gremlin is coming out of its cocoon. This thing about the human heart, it's really interesting mm-hmm. To like compare that with the gremlin, like they are seemingly human yet not like nothing about them looks human, but they're acting human. And I definitely like them seeing the movie. It's like things we would do having fun. They're not really hurting each other. Well, I mean, some of them shot each other, but like that's, (laughs) I guess, human to the, I don't know. We're we're good at that too. Yeah. 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 And it kind of, kind of goes into the theme of like this personal responsibility is like, like you could be like a gizmo, you know, nice, nurtured, you know, well-behaved people, or you can descend and become a gremlin, do activities that you shouldn't be doing, you know, in a bar, ripping up the place, yeah, shooting people, caroling, 
caroling. The worst. <laughs> yeah, this cautionary tale to be a better person and not be a caroler. Yes. Going on a tangent. Yes. So okay. um, the movie theater. Yeah, they're all they're all all the gremlins are in there and they're singing hi ho. Billy Peltzer and Kate was like, okay, I have an idea. Because film, as we know, is flammable. So they rig up the theater and there's some great sequences of like practical effects of like the gremlins busting through the screen of uh, the theater and also them running down the hallway all together kind of like bugs that was probably like my one shot that's like my favorite shot of them going down the mm. hallway so as billy peltzer rigs the place to blow they escape and the theater explodes killing all the gremlins mm-hmm. Except for one. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Stripe is still on the loose, and they track him down to uh, this department store. And there's a there's a ticking clock, and that ticking clock is there's a fountain filled with water. They're like, we have to kill Stripe before he reaches the water, or else the whole thing is going to start all over again. They try to take him out, and then an unlikely hero arises, who comes to save the day. Gizmo comes. He gets himself into this little toy car and he remembers <laughs> what he watched on TV and he drives his way to help save his buddy, to save Billy. And yeah. he notices that it's almost it's almost daylight. He's seeing he's seeing it. Mm-hmm. And he like Oh, and, and the dog tries to come too and help and they, they yeah. meet and they have a little like, hey, hey brother, and then <laughs> they go. And then um yeah, he he goes up the what is that? It's a shovel. Snow shovel, yeah. Because of the shovel, and he gets thrown out of the car, and then he has a standoff with Stripe. And I like it, too, because you can see how sentient Stripe is, too, because Stripe calls Billy's name out, and then he calls Gizmo's name out. Like, there, it's, <laughs> I just I love how they're so tiny and cute, but, like, so intelligent. And then right. Gizmo looks, and he sees the cord, and he pulls it down and opens, and light floods in, and, and Stripe screams, and, uh... And yeah. I love the scene when he falls into the water and the cool colors and effects. Ooh, I don't like him melting though. That is gross. <laughs> I could do without <laughs> That's that. That's awesome. I mean, it's awesome, but me, I'm just like mm, traumatized yes. child. You know? <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> just like the ending for Fright Night, you now the power mm-hmm. of sunlight defeats the monster. And yes, yeah. So. I'm going to take a wild guess and say, Aaron, that was your favorite practical effect moments in the entire movie. No, actually. My favorite shot would probably have to be when Billy's trying to track down Stripe and he follows him into the YMCA. Then Stripe jumps into the swimming pool, which is what clones so many gremlins. There's this wonderful shot where it's like it's a crane shot. It's pulling away from Billy at the edge of the pool as he's staring into this. And the pool, the entire pool starts like bubbling up like a witch's cauldron. And there's a bunch of like steam and fog coming off of it. And it's glowing bright green. And it's it's just one of those shots where it just takes your breath away. And it's like I, I, I can't believe like something like that can happen. Uh, with cinema it's just so it it looks like a dream it's so weird and yet real at the same time that's my favorite shot of the movie it like it evokes this emotion when you watch that where it's like now this is like a serious threat taking that step into the underworld exactly so stripe is defeated he is melted all the gremlins are gone billy kate and gizmo are reunited back in the peltzer's home and the ending is so poignant. So who would like to explain what happens at the end? I'll go ahead. They take Gizmo home. The dad has returned from the like inventors convention that he went to. And so like all is well. But Chinese grandpa shows up uh, <laughs> from the from the curio shop. Yes. He has heard what has happened with the gremlins and there's a bit of like unreality to it because they're watching like news reports of what's happened and people are explaining it like, you know, this unexplained phenomena, stories of little green men uh, <laughs> taking over the town, like, right. oh, a bunch of weird stories coming from this town. <laughs> you're kind of like you're in on the secret as the audience because you went through the journey with the protagonist. But he shows up to the family and he returns the money and he demands 
Gizmo to be returned. He explains to the family, like, you know, I told you these rules and the Mogwai is a huge responsibility and you've proven that you're not yet ready for this. And so Billy kind of protests this, but has to accept that he's that he's right. And so uh, Gizmo goes back into the hands of Chinese grandpa. But he's able to, you know, have like one last goodbye with Gizmo. And Chinese grandpa says, you know what? He'll be waiting for you when you're ready. And to your point about personal responsibility, I'm sure you have a lot more to say about this. But it kind of proves that, you know, sometimes in life we are given opportunities or gifts that we are not quite ready for. And it takes character and it takes responsibility in order to live up to these gifts and to use them wisely. But there's always more waiting for us when we prove that we're ready and capable to handle these sorts of things. I also love on the way out that Gizmo starts like singing hi ho. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So cute. That was a nice touch. (laughs) So with like every good film, like you have to nail the beginning and then you have to stick the landing, which is the ending. And I think the movie mm-hmm. sticks the landing. At the beginning, you have like, you know, mild curiosity, some hijinks happen, some horrors happen. And then at the end of the movie, it leaves the audience with something to ponder about. And that's when the theme of responsibility comes into play. Billy was given this gift and he completely misused it. Um, they all did, all the Peltzers. Like, they all they didn't take care of this Mogwai. They, they were given specific rules. And then they didn't adhere to them. And that had dire consequences for not only them, but the entire town. So it's kind of like this lesson that's being shown to the audience, like like you have to take responsibility for not only the things that you're responsible for, but also the world around you. The movie highlights that in such a sweet moment as the Chinese storekeeper takes gizmo away because like a movie like this if it was made nowadays like that probably would not happen like billy would probably still have gizmo at the end of the movie but Mm. this one like takes it to the next level by taking the thing that made billy happy took that away so it's kind of like appreciate what you have type of thing Mm -hmm. yeah and it kind of harkens back to that traditional fairy tale motif of morality play where you stick to virtues, you get good things. You've succumbed to vices, then you pay for the consequences of that. Right. And yeah, it's definitely highlighted with the gremlins with like all of their actions are like human things that we would do, like smoking, drinking, you know, whatever sort of debauchery that they're, that they're participating in. But yeah, I think overall it was a great film. So to close the episode, So we like to do one reason why, starting with uh, Allie. What is the one reason you would recommend Gremlins to somebody? My one reason why, I iterated it a lot during our conversation, is I think if you appreciate good structure, good storytelling, the devices it uses and the balance of the narrative is just really fun and keeps you engaged throughout this whole story. Nice. And Aaron? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I would say if you appreciate the craft of filmmaking and want to see a whole group of people at the top of their game making something unique in a way that might be able to be replicated nowadays, maybe not. A peak 80s masterpiece, I would say Gremlins is your bet. Nice, very nice. And then for me, I'll do a very small one reason why. It's all the the nods and Easter eggs to Steven Spielberg films. That's littered throughout this mm. entire film. Um, we talked about how, even though Spielberg wasn't involved with Back to the Future, like it's kind of like, Spielberg adjacent movie with Robert Zemeckis is like uh, the setting is pretty much in Hill Valley. And then there's explicit Spielberg nods, which is this one disc jockey character that's in the background, rocking Ricky Rialto. Mm -hmm. And like his uh, aesthetic is like Indiana Jones, like same, uh, same font, same style. He's holding up, whipping up those rocking classics. (laughs) Yeah. Any parting words before we end this out? Nothing I can think of that hasn't already been said. It's about as glowing a recommendation as I think any of us can give, especially as a Christmas adjacent movie of all things. So <laughs> yeah, if you're getting a little tired of a Christmas story and Christmas romances, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Santa Claus, all that, uh, looking to change it up a little bit and you want to traumatize your kids at the same time, go see Gremlins. <laughs> 10 out of 10 trauma. will recommend. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> So that's it for this time on Syndicates. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Gremlins from 1984, directed by Joe Dante. I'd like to thank my guests, Ali and Aaron, for coming on the show today. Thank you for coming on, you two. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. So please check out Gremlins where it is available. And until next time, I'll just have one last parting word to say to you. If your air conditioner goes on the fritz, or your washing machine blows up, or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look underneath all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. <laughs>